you can all hear me, that's good. Um, hello and happy new year. Um, today is the first message of the new year, it is the first message of our new teaching series, and very importantly, it is the premiere of my new haircut, okay? <laughs> Um, which has been mentioned many times as needing to happen from the front, so I finally bowed to the will of the people and got my hair cut. Uh, MJ's Barbershop in Roland's Gill, I recommend it. Um, he recognized me as soon as I uh, went in because he knows I'm the guy who leaves my hair too long between having haircuts. Um, today we start a new series, as I said, and it's a, it's a series called God's Holy Nation, and it'll take us from now until the end of March, uh, with a few deviations along the way for, for one-off Sundays. Uh, it's going to take us on a tour of the whole Bible um, as it helps us to understand the role uh, that we have in God's plan for the world as a holy nation of people. Now, I am quite a blessed person. I've been blessed throughout my life. Uh, and one of the ways is in that God has given me a family who was a Christian, a family that took me to church, um, and from a very young age encouraged me to meet God and to encounter God myself. However, I still grew up thinking of God as something of a killjoy. Um, I grew up thinking of church as something filled with boring old people and full of just rules that I had to follow. It was about what I couldn't do and what I wasn't allowed to do. Um, but that changed when I was 14 years old. Now, when I was 14, I was very briefly uh, attending a church called Central Hall in Newcastle. Now, do some of you guys know Central Hall? Yeah, I, believe it's, I, I don't believe it's still there anymore, but it's been replaced by a new church that's taken over the building. Um, but yeah, I was at Central Hall when I was 14 years old. Um, and I have two defining memories of Central Hall. Uh, the first was that after every service, they used to serve crab sticks as refreshments. Um, and I hate seafood. And to be honest, like, when I think of like, the worst possible thing you could serve at a church, and the smell, oh, I'm glad that COVID took my sense of smell, so I never have to smell that again. Um, the second thing that I remember was a man that I met when I was there. He was one of the people that I wrote off as one of the old, boring people who I don't need to pay attention to. Okay? Now, one day, this older guy um, came up to me uh, one Sunday after the service, and he just started chatting about his life, and he told me that he had some serious heart surgery coming up. Okay, this surgery probably um, would be something that extends his life a little bit, but might very well be the thing that ends his life. There was a huge risk in this surgery. Okay? But he talked quite cheerily about it and was joking about it and, and laughing. And it was that Wednesday. It was several, a couple of days later. And as he departed, he turned around and he said, I'll see you next week. And then he stopped and he thought for himself and he said, or, depending on how things go, I might see you in heaven instead. Okay? And with a smile, he went on his way. And that really struck me as a 14-year-old. There was something different about this guy. That was so weird that he would talk that way about something so serious coming up. And suddenly, because of that just little comment from a man that, whose name I, I can't remember, I, I don't know if he's still alive, I can't remember what happened with the surgery so long ago. But with that single comment that he made, Christianity stopped being something boring and started becoming something different. It started looking a little exciting because I was jealous of him. I was jealous of something that he seemed to have that I didn't seem to have. And it was shortly after that that I actually devoted my life 
to following God. And for those who I've told my testimony to, you'll know the story of that man. There's more things involved in my testimony, more, uh, more people, uh, more ways that God challenged me and blessed me. But that man has always been a central part. That single comment that that man made, probably just as a little bit of a joke as he walked away. And I think that so often in church, we strive really, really hard to be contemporary and relevant. And that is a good thing, and it's important for us to do that. But we need to remember that sometimes it is us being different, us being a little bit weird, us um, striking people a little bit different, that is the very thing that draws people into the building and gets people to follow our God. Now, I'm not talking about old-school hymns or the debates around church seats or, or pews. That's not what I mean by different. What I mean is something deeper, something inside of us that makes people a little bit jealous, that they see something in you and think, I want that. Now, to understand what I mean, uh, we're going to turn to the Bible, and we're going to read from Exodus 19, 1-25, so the depths of the Old Testament in the story of the people of Israel. I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation, but feel free to read along in whatever translation you have. It should roughly line up. Um, uh, it will appear behind me. Uh, so you can read along there as well, although I don't think I formatted it very well because it's cut off a little bit at the top. But then I did do it at 2 a.m. this morning, so that's my... I, I never lost the habits of being a student. Um, so Exodus 19, verses 1 to 25. Exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt, they arrived in the wilderness of Sinai. After breaking camp at Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and set up camp there at the base of Mount Sinai. Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all peoples on earth, for all the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message that you must give to the people of Israel. So Moses returned from the mountain and called together the elders of the people and told them everything the Lord had commanded him. And all the people responded together, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. So Moses brought the people's answer back to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will come to you in a thick cloud, Moses, so the people themselves can hear me and I can speak with you. Then they will always trust you. Moses told the Lord what the people had said. Then the Lord told Moses, Go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothing. Be sure they are ready on the third day, for on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai as all the people watch. Mark off a boundary around the mountain. Warn the people, be careful. Do not go up on the mountain or even touch its boundaries. Anyone who touches the mountain will certainly be put to death. No hand may touch the person or animal that crosses the boundary. Instead, stone them or shoot them with arrows. They must be put to death. However, when a ram's horn sounds a long blast, then the people may go up on the mountain. So Moses went down to the people. He consecrated them for worship and washed their clothes. He told them, get ready for the third day, and until then, abstain from having sexual intercourse. 
On the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed, and a dense cloud came down on the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn, and all the people trembled. Moses led them out from a camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln, and the whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God thundered his reply. The Lord came down on the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain, so Moses climbed the mountain. Then the Lord told Moses, go back down and warn the people not to break through the boundaries to see the Lord or they will die. Even the priests who regularly come near to the Lord must purify themselves so that the Lord does not break out and destroy them. But Lord, Moses protested, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai. You already warned us. You told us, mark off a boundary around the mountain and set it apart as holy. But the Lord said, go down and bring Aaron back up with you. In the meantime, do not let the priests or people break through to approach the Lord, or he will break out and destroy them. So Moses went down to the people and told them what the Lord had said. So we're going to take a moment this morning to think about the concept of holiness. There's a phrase used in that passage, my holy nation, God's holy nation, and we're going to think about it. Now, in this passage, God is meeting the people of Israel as a nation. This is a nation he has freshly liberated from Egypt, a nation that at this point is wandering the desert looking for the promised land, looking for their home. And he tells them at the, this mountain that they have a special duty, that he has chosen them, and that they are going to be a people who are different to everyone else. In verse 4, he explains how he has tenderly rescued them, how he has carried them on an eagle's wings to himself. In verses 5 and 6, he says they will be his special treasure. They will be a kingdom of priests. They will be his holy nation. They will be unique. They were to be holy. Now, the word holy might seem like a weird buzzword for religious people, but it actually has a really, really simple meaning. To be holy means to be set apart. It means to be different. It means to be separate from all the evil of the world and different to it. So when God tells them to be a holy nation, he is explaining to them he wants them to be a nation that is set apart. He wants them to be a good nation. He wants them to be a different kind of nation to anything else that at that point existed on the earth. And straight after chapter 19 in chapter 20, he gives them the Ten Commandments, which is how they begin to live that way, how they begin to live in a way that is different. But I reckon, if I were to ask you right now to think about the concept of holiness, you probably would think along the lines of something like a monk in drab colors with uh, probably a big bold spot on top who would recite prayers at dawn and dusk and every hour in between. You probably think of some sort of super holy individual, a spiritual man, a person who disconnects from the world, who ignores the distraction of everyday life and probably lives on a mountain somewhere far away without any television or radio or internet. Okay? And that sort of person... I can assure you, is someone who has made themselves set apart, that is someone who's living a different life. And 
you know, complete respect to that sort of person. Some people do that, and that's fine. But that is not what Exodus means when it's talking about holiness. Because when it talks about being different, it is not talking about geography or dress sense or the routine of your day. Because in addition to being called a holy nation, Israel is called to be a kingdom of priests. And that means they are to represent God to the world and reveal God's character to the world. And you can't do that on a mountain far away. You have to do that in the everyday. You have to do that by meeting people face to face in the hustle and bustle of life, in the mundane. You have to do good every day in your normal routine as you meet other people. Israel was to be among the nations. They were to be there in the, in the politics and the mess of the region at the time. They were to be present, but they were to be different. And in being different and being visible, they were going to reveal God to the people. That man at Central Hall, whose name I don't remember, he was different. He was different because he showed joy in the face of an uncertain future. But he was not only different, he was in a way a priest to me because he revealed God to me in his joy. He revealed God's joy, and that changed my life forever. And in Exodus, we hear how we can reveal God to people in the way we act, how Israel could reveal God to people in the way it acted. Now, before we go any further, and in order to make sure everyone is still awake, um, I have a series of challenges that I would like you to do. Okay, and there, there is a point to this. It might seem like a, a diversion from the message, but there is a point. So a series of challenges. Uh, they're going to be nice and simple challenges. I'm not going to require anyone to come up to the front or do anything fancy. You can do them right where you are, but I would like everyone to be involved, except in the first one if you like have pneumonia or asthma or any sort of breathing difficulty. Right, okay, you're excused from the first one. Okay? And you're also going to need a partner for all these, so if you make sure there's someone sitting next to you or you're at least in a three or something like that. So pick the person next to you who you're going to help with this challenge. Okay? So here's the first of three. Okay? I would like you to turn to the person next to you and hum a continuous note for 10 seconds. But before you do that, I want to stress, you need to hum a continuous note for 10 seconds while holding your nose. Okay? while holding your nose. So hum for 10 seconds while holding your nose like this. There's some lovely noises coming up. <laughs> it's like a chorus of, of weird humming. <laughs> All right, okay, okay. How are you guys finding that? Was that, was that easy? Were you able to do it? So, yeah, it was, it was a little bit difficult, wasn't it? A little bit difficult, okay? A little bit difficult, okay. Let's, uh, let's up the ante. Let's make things something a little bit more difficult than that um, and of a completely different variety. I would now like you to turn to your partner in crime and I would like you, that you to tell them a lie that you genuinely believe is true. A lie that you genuinely believe is true. Okay, has anyone managed to think of a lie that they genuinely believe is true in this room? Has anyone in this room managed to think of a lie they genuinely believe is true? Alison, have you thought of one? You're the best, you genuinely believe that's true. You genuinely think you're the best. I don't believe that you believe that. Uh, I don't think you know all the ballet dancers in Gateshead for a start. Um, yep. 
Okay. <laughs> so that's interesting, because you know it's a lie, but also you believe it with your heart. Yeah, okay. But it's difficult, isn't it? That's slightly more difficult than humming for 10 seconds, because it's a bit of a, a mind teaser, okay? Um, final thing I want you to do is I would like you to describe to your partner a color that you've never seen before. So imagine a brand new color and describe exactly what it is. I want you to picture it in your head and describe it to someone else. Okay? All right. I'm seeing a lot more positivity from the room here. Do you think you've been able to describe a color you've never seen before? No? Okay. So some yes, some nods, some, some shakes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Right. Well, I have to say that some of you did very well at those tasks, but the vast majority of you are pretty lousy. Okay? Uh, most of you didn't manage to achieve any of them, and some managed to achieve a couple of them, and even then, I'm pretty sure your claim to success was dubious at best, Alison. Okay? Yeah. Um, and that's because those tasks are essentially impossible. They're not actually physically impossible, but they're almost impossible to do. They're incredibly difficult. In order to hum a note for any length of time, you have to be constantly breathing through your nose. And that's because when you hum, you breathe out through your nose when you do it. So if you hum and hold your nose, you will find yourself run, like running into a barrier, almost. Okay? You'll just run out of humming that you can do. So you might be able to do it for a length of time. You might have made 10 seconds, but you won't be able to make very long after that. Okay? It is pretty hard to tell a lie that you genuinely believe is true on purpose. You can do it by accident all the time. People do that by all the time by accident. But it's really, really hard to do it on purpose because if you try to tell a lie, then by definition you don't believe it's true. The exception, of course, is where your heart thinks one thing and your head means another, like I think what Terry was saying there. Okay? Also, it is impossible to imagine a new color. Now, you might think, but I just imagined a new color. Well, actually, that's probably just a color that you've seen before and forgotten about, or a sensory experience you're trying to present as a color. But to truly invent a new color, it's actually impossible for the human brain to do it. Sometimes they discover new colors by mixing things together, but they never invent it inside their head. Okay? Humans cannot physically imagine something that, like a color. They can imagine things they haven't seen before, but they can't imagine a color. And that's quite interesting, because there are many, many colors you can't see. So there are many colors you haven't yet discovered, but you can't imagine them. Now, it was unreasonable for me to expect this room as a whole to be able to do those things. Like, a couple of you, maybe some of the more gifted, will be able to do it. But as a whole, it was unreasonable for me to expect you to do those things. Well, we've just established that God called Israel to be different. He called them to be a nation set apart, a nation revealing God. And unfortunately, I think he's asked them to do something that seems a little bit impossible and therefore seems a little bit unreasonable. Because if you read the rest of the Old Testament, you see Israel often trying quite hard, but really failing spectacularly. Okay? They rarely acted in a way that was different to the rest of the world. They went along with what everyone else was doing. They worshipped the gods that everyone else was worshipping. They made alliances with all the corrupt nations of the world. They oppressed each other for riches and money, just like everyone does. Okay? Instead of being different, they do pretty much the same thing that everyone else does. 
And even if we look at the story that I told earlier of at the mountain, you can see they're not really a holy nation at that point. They're not really able to live up to it because God says initially that they can't approach him. They, have to, they can't go beyond a boundary. They're not good enough. They're not holy enough. God is too holy. God is too different, too set apart, too good. If they were to approach him, they would die. They have to stay away for their own safety. It's a health and safety legislation. You can't go near God. He's too holy for them. So how could they possibly be expected to be a holy nation if they can't even go next to the one thing that is actually holy, God himself? How could a a nation that is failing at the beginning and then fails for the next millennia actually fulfill God's call to be a holy nation? Well, that is the exciting part because God's call to be a holy nation is answered because out of Israel, as we know, one who was truly holy, one who was truly good, one who was truly different did arise, and that was Jesus Christ. He is the answer to the commandment given like a thousand years before in Exodus. This is what we read in Hebrews 7 verse 26. He is the kind of high priest we need because he is holy, blameless, unstained by sin. He has been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. God called Israel to be holy, good, and revealing God, and that call is answered in Jesus Christ, the ultimate holy one, the one who is blameless, the one who is unstained by sin. That task might have seemed impossible for Israel, and that's because it was. But God himself came down as one of the people, and he fulfilled that call himself in Jesus Christ. Now that makes this a lovely story, okay? But it also makes it a story that was wrapped up several millennia ago. Um, Is it actually relevant to us today? Is a call that was given to a nation thousands of years ago, um, thousands of miles away, and fulfilled in Jesus thousands of years ago, thousands of miles away, why why are we even talking about it today? What relevant does that have to us today other than a nice story to tell in a January morning. Okay? Well, actually, it turns out it has a lot to do with us. We are not disconnected from this story because the call is not just fulfilled in Jesus. Because Israel was not just called to be holy, it was called to be a holy nation. And one person by himself, even Jesus, is not a nation. Okay? The call is answered in Jesus and in the people he gathers to himself. The call is answered in Jesus and the people he saves. The call is answered in Jesus and the church. In 1 Peter 2, 9, Peter quotes Exodus when speaking about us, when speaking about the church. And he says this, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. The job of building a holy nation continues. It began in Israel. It is made possible in the wonderful, holy person who is Jesus Christ, and it continues today in the church. We are a continuation of an ancient story a story of being set apart, a story of being different. 
We are a holy nation with Christ as our king, leading us, picking us up, succeeding for us. We fail just like ancient Israel did, but that's okay for Christ, our king, has succeeded. And we follow him in being different, in being holy. Now that means that we need to be living lives that are appropriate for who we are. We are a holy nation, so we should be living holy lives. Our lives are meant to be set apart. Our lives are meant to be free from sin. Crucially, our lives are meant to be different from the people around us, as that guy at Central Hall was different to the people around me at the time. We are meant to be so different that people can see in us the character of God. And that means I have a question for you that I would like you to ask, answer with the partner you had earlier, okay, or in the threes. And it's going to appear on the screen. There we are. In what way are you called, do you feel called to be different to the world around you? Now, I don't know all your circumstances. I don't know where you work. I don't know your, all your families. So only you can really answer this question. I can't do it for you. But in what way are you right now called to be different to the people around you so that they can see God in you? And I'll give you two minutes to share that just with the people around you. Okay, take that question with you today and think about it as you go from this place. Okay, think about it on Monday morning when you go to work. Okay, think about it when you're next putting your budget together. Think about that question uh, when you're choosing who your friends are, when you're making friends with people. Think about it in your relationships, when you're talking with your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. Think about how you can be different in all those situations. Take that question and ask it. I don't know what it looks like for you. I don't live your life but I think that you can work out what it looks like for you. Now, I want you to go away from today remembering that we are called to be different to the world around us. We are called to be good. We are called to be set apart. I keep repeating those three things, and that's why I want you to remember today. But I don't want you to go away today and try and perfect yourself into being some sort of superhuman, okay? Because I hate to break it to you, but if you try you will fail, and you'll be miserable, and you'll beat yourself up, and you won't know what's happening, and you'll be disillusioned, and you'll give up on the whole thing. Okay? That's not what I'm asking you to do. I've done that before. I've, I've, I've messed up before. I've tried to be more than I can be, and it's just ended up it being quite depressing at the end of the day, because you look yourself in the mirror, and you're not everything you wanted to be. Okay? Because that's not what this message is about. It is about living in such a way that you reveal the one who is actually, truly, and completely holy, the one that won't fail, the one who really is a superhuman in a way. It is about revealing Jesus, okay? It is not about rules. It is about living in a way that you surround yourself with God. It is about being shaped and molded by him every day. It is about bathing in his light so that just a little bit every day you can show that light to people around you. Because we are all priests. We are called to go out and to bring God to the world. We are all called to be good. But he is the truly blameless one. He is the high priest who leads our priesthood. Okay? We point to him, not to ourselves. It's not all down to us. It's all down to him. We just look to him and follow. So go from this place and be holy. Be set apart and follow the Holy One who is set apart. 
I'd like to invite the band back up. And as they get ready, I'm going to just pray for us. Do you want to bow your heads together? Father, we thank you for the book of Exodus, which tells the story of how you liberated your people uh, from Egypt, from slavery, how you brought them out, how you carried them on eagles' wings, how you rescued them, brought them to yourself, and chose them to be something special. We thank you that today we continue their memory, we continue their mission, and we continue to answer your call. And we pray that you might equip us with your Holy Spirit to be people who are different people who can have strength in the face of adversity, people who can help others, people who can just make others in the world stop and look. Help us in all things to point towards you. In Jesus' name, amen.